Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by Campaign US. For more podcasts, visit us at campaignlive.com. Hi, I'm Allison Weisbrot. I'm the editor of Campaign US, and I'm sitting here in Cannes with Krista Carone, the president of Infilion. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So Infilion is doing a lot at Cannes this year. You guys just had a massive rebrand. You're getting the brand out there. Talk about your your presence here on the ground. This is definitely a coming out party for us. So we are a portfolio company of advertising technology and marketing technology solutions. We have flagship products that I think people are more familiar with. Truex is one of the key flagship products in our portfolio. And the other is Gimbal, a location-based consumer experience product. But we've wrapped them all up under Infilion and launched Infilion in February in no better place than in Cannes to let the world know that we exist, that we're loud and proud here um, in starting to build one of the richest portfolios of advertising and marketing tech solutions. Awesome. And so you guys have a space at the Majestic Hotel. You're having a bunch of parties. Um, There's an app that you built to, which actually is about sort of engaging people around supporting Ukraine. So talk a little about some of your activations on the ground. Sure. Yeah, with major presence at the Majestic, where we're also doing a lot of showcases of our work with clients, um, a tremendous amount of content, bringing in some really interesting panels regarding metaverse and real world applications in advertising. And we've launched an app with 10 other partners that basically give you credit when you're experiencing something in, in Cannes. So you download the app and we use our location-based technology to track when you've visited an activation and upon doing that, you're basically getting a token that we use to translate into donations for Ukraine relief. That's great. So we're creating a bit of an value exchange for you to actively participate in the can experiences. Yeah, I think that um, I was a little worried that the conversation about Ukraine would get lost here. But I think, you know, there's a few things that that have caught my eye that I think it's good to we're, we're in this very celebratory place, but it, it's good to, you know. Right. Sometimes we feel like we're in a bit of a bubble, but the outside world is still happening in, in yeah. real time. And exactly. it's pretty intense out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we are in Europe. So. Yeah. so how does it feel to be back in Cannes? It's been two years. Well, I think, you know, like everyone has said, oh, it's so amazing to see each other in person. This, there's no other industry that celebrates itself, like the advertising industry, on, uh, apart from the entertainment industry. So there is this delight in just pausing and reminding ourselves of how strong we are as a community. Um, I've appreciated the fact that there's more of a lean into the creativity and the core DNA of Can, And we're seeing that manifest itself in a lot more of the experiences here. Yeah, it does feel like the focus is back on the work. Mm -hmm. Um, It did get a little bit distracted by technology and and shiny objects for for a couple years. So, yeah, Um, you know, there's a dose of um, I don't want to call it of maturing that's happening where we're having more business discussions because we haven't been able to do that in real life and it isn't as effective in Zoom. So I do feel like can has its celebrations, but there's also real business that's getting conducted. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had some really good productive meetings this Absolutely. year? Absolutely, And not just, hey, let's chat and then have the meeting back in New York City, but actual, hey, we're in discussions on major partnerships and let's sign the deal type of thing. Wow. Yeah. Usually it can is a little bit more like, you know, let's get to know each other. Let's have some drinks. Yeah. And that's definitely happening. But we're we're also trying to land the plane in a couple of situations as well. Yeah. Well, 
Good luck to you. <laughs> so let's talk about your product a little bit. You mentioned Truex. You mentioned Gimbal. What else is, is under the hood? So the, what knits the, the products together is um, a very robust identity-based cross-device graph that we use for our targeting across our different products. And the more products we build into the portfolio, we're able to apply our X graph to that so that we can assure brands that the targeting is opted in, it's relevant, it's authentic to the audiences that they're trying to serve. So we have TrueX, which is a consumer opt-in product. Um, people experience Truex on mobile and on desktop and on CTV. And basically we're giving the consumer a choice to see the ad. You see a card that comes up in your ad experience saying, do you want to opt in to see a 30 second message from a particular brand? And in doing so, we're going to give you time back. So if it's a two minute ad pod, we bust that pod you opt in to receive the 30 seconds. And in exchange for that, we're giving you 90 seconds of your time back. Mm. Our gimbal product is more based on the power of place. And we're able to use our authenticated first-party location data to um, develop more highly performative media campaigns. Very cool. How are you thinking about the evolution of your of your product as more privacy laws come into play, more more technology limitations around tracking. I know you mentioned opt-in a few times, which mm-hmm. is a very key term, right? Yep. So talk about how that's how that's going, especially in the location space. Sure. I joined the company in October when we were starting to bring these products together. And I've spent the first half of my career on the brand side. So have this maniacal approach to how do we respect consumers' time and attention and privacy in the ways that we market to them. And that's what was appealing to me about joining what we're starting to build here in Infilian. On the location side of the business, it's sometimes when you hear, oh, I'm collecting first-party data, there's a little bit of a recoil that, that, that folks will do. However, we're we're asking for your permission first. So you're opting in to provide that as we do when we're downloading any app. The onus is on the brand and us working with the brand to provide you a service for that. If you're going to opt in, if I'm personally going to opt in to give a brand my location data or any of that personal information, give me something back. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to opt in with my friends at CVS on that app. If I know every time I walk into a CVS store, you're going to land a 30, 30% discount coupon into my app and there's a service back, right? It's a simple value exchange. And same with our Truex product. It's a value exchange. You want, we're asking you to engage with this marketer's message and we're going to give you something in return. And so at the end of the day, it is this moment to say, why aren't we more respectful of consumers instead of saying and praying and hoping that people are going to um, react and get their attention? Why don't we pause and really kind of reflect on what is it that consumers want out of a marketer's experience? Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually, I moderated a panel yesterday about ethical data collection Mm -hmm. and this topic of consumer value exchange and creating experiences where consumers will willingly give their data because, you know, they're on Google Maps, they need to find where they're going or they get a discount. So I think that's building those experiences is is super key. Right. And, you know, we've recently done some proprietary research on that, too. And we find the same thing, that consumers are willing to share their information if as long as that expectation is delivered on that there's a service coming back. And it's very generational, too. We know that younger people are much more willing 
to share information. I think there's an accountability on behalf of brands and agencies and technology partners to think about ways that we age gate the data that we might be ingesting into our graph and being responsible stewards of the data that we're collecting. Mm, for sure. So we are in can. So let's talk a little bit about creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're living in this new world with so many different screens and platforms. And now we have the metaverse emerging and, and there are all these different implications, not just for safety and and privacy, but also for creativity. Mm -hmm. How are you seeing brands making creative work in a way that aligns with new mediums, whether that's CTV metaverse? Right. I think here's the one thing that's never changed in our industry is that creative counts, right? Regardless of the technology, regardless of all the discussions around data and targeting and measurement, at the end of the day, consumers are linked in when there's great creative and it's creative that's relevant to us at the right time, at the right moment in, in our day. And that's what I've always loved about Can is make sure we pause and celebrate the brilliance of our creative. Uh, Truex was born from this thought of consumers are willing to engage in marketing messages when it is something that has a creative element to it. So what I'm really proud of is a creative studio that we've built within our organization that knows how to apply the nuances of technology to build creative that's interactive for the consumers. And in fact, we guarantee an interaction to our brand. We do not bill a a brand unless the consumer has actually interacted with the ad. So the onus is on us to build an experience that you're going to want to engage with, whether it's on mobile or desktop or your CTV. could be a game, it could be a poll, it could be something where you're changing, altering the colors or devices on a particular product. But I think that technology has enabled a dynamic, creative experience that more agencies, more brands should be leaning into. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, Infillion has a creative studio, right? You don't often see that at an ad tech company. Um, Talk about that and, and talk about how agencies are Um, embracing these new ad formats. Yeah, I mean, we knew that we needed to build a creative studio as a bit of an educational tool on how you can apply these innovative ad formats because it may it may not be your standard 30-second spot, right? And the benefit of our model to brands is that we are guaranteeing the interaction. So we put the pressure on us as a creative team to, to develop a way to absolutely engage you. And if we're just taking a standard spot, from a brand or from an agency, I'm not going to feel as comfortable that I'm going to be able to generate that interaction and that engagement with with the consumer. So we realized pretty early on that we needed to build a creative team that led through the lens of marrying and converging great technology with great creative. Yeah. And what ad formats do you find are working well? Anything where we're gamifying an experience for people, right? Give me a reason to tap, to click, to pick up my remote. Anything where I can make the ad a little bit more relevant for me. So if it's an ad for a car and I can play around with the features on it and build something real time, um, you know, that gamification of life just seems to be something that people really lean in on. Yeah, I mean, gaming is is so huge. And I think um, interacting, people, people are used to interacting yeah. more, right? Yeah. It's not it's not as passive anymore right. to engage with a brand. Yeah. 
The other piece of it is when you can apply a commerce element of it. We're starting to see a fair amount of engagement on shoppable ad units. So maybe you're seeing the ad pop up for a makeup line and where you're able to change the color of the lipstick in the ad and then add that into your cart. Anything that kind of eases that point of transaction is really compelling. Yeah. So speaking of shoppable commerce, I know that's a huge uh, topic right now, a huge focus for brands. Where, in what media types are you finding that that works? Because there's mobile, then there's CTV. So like where are the consumer behaviors really uh, leading on that? So this is where it's the ease of the transaction, right? We have launched a shoppable unit for CTV. We've already been running one on mobile and desktop, um, the more that we're able to increase the ease of the user experience on CTV, then I think the faster we'll see adoption of actually direct to commerce using your CTV device. But if you think about it, you're depending on the remote, right? So there, there is this just basic behavioral science of when I'm watching something on CTV, I'm probably more leaned back and the remote might not be readily available for me versus a mobile or desktop experience where I'm leaned in. It's easier for me to click. It's easier for me to tap. But it, the onus is on all of us to be creating and testing and seeing which environments are going to be most performative as it relates to shoppable. Yeah, I was just thinking while you were saying that about my remote being like stuck between the couch cushions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the more advanced that voice control becomes in a CTV environment, you know, in a couple of years time, when you have voice activation in more smart TVs or through CTV platforms, then we're not going to be struggling to find our remote. We're just going to be yelling at ordering stuff by yelling at our TVs all day long. Alexa. Right? (laughs) Um, No, that's a really good point. I was actually going to ask you where you're, like, if it's not the remote, then what is the interface? And I was thinking, like, is it your phone? But it's voice. And it could be phone as phones are controlling. I mean, there are ways that your phone is controlling your CTV. Your phone can become a remote depending on your smart TV platform. Voice. uh, This is an area of innovation for us where we're constantly exploring all of the different platforms, all of the different devices and then the creative formats. So um, we keep our creative studio really, really busy and our product and tech team because it isn't just building for Roku on one platform, right? We're building for every device on every platform and testing all of these different ad formats on an ongoing basis. Yeah, um, it's super interesting. So what are the um, creative implications of, of these new ad formats? Like if you're having ad formats that... People can sort of, you know, either they pause or they, you know, you're watching a, a Walmart commercial and you're saying like, buy me that shirt that that model is wearing. Like, what are the creative implications there? Well, you need to. So this is, I think, where targeting is important and where we say, OK, I want, we absolutely want to be respectful in the ways that we collect and use consumers data. But we also know through plenty of research, ours, um, our own research as well, is that consumers do want ads that are relevant. Right. So um, the relevancy of that marketing to me is what's going to compel me to act. Mm -hmm. And if Walmart is presenting something to me that has absolutely nothing to do with what that moment in time, then I'm probably not going to pay any attention to it. But maybe it is an ad for Father's Day gifts that are dropping within my feed at the right moment in time. And I know that they're going to deliver that to me in 48 hours. And I just have to tell Alexa to make that happen 
then the ease of the transaction and simplifying consumer experience mm. to me is what's going to trump everything. And yeah, it's all about ease and, and simplification yeah. of the process. And I mean, it's the way you're describing it. It's just the way that, you know, social commerce is right now, yeah. right? Like right. you receive these ads that are super irrelevant, super right. targeted, and you just sort of say, huh. I might buy that right <laughs> right now. <laughs> and, you know, dovetailing that into the targeting discussion, then it becomes less about talking about the deprecation of the cookie, right? And more about a discussion around the rise of addressability. Mm -hmm. Because we, again, we know that consumers do want the relevancy. They don't want a lot of waste within their the marketing experience or within their content experience. So how do we as a community, as an industry, make sure that we're doing that in ways that are respectful. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the the deprecation of the cookie and in privacy. I know we talked about opting in before mm -hmm. a little bit, but what else is um, Infillion doing to build more consumer first products, um, making sure the consumer experience is good and that the consumers want to give their data. Yeah. So we started a place of value exchange for everything that we do. And we've, we've agreed as a leadership team that, um, in our build, our buy and our partner mentality that protecting the integrity of value exchange is critically important to Infillion and, and it helps to inform some of the business decisions that we're making. So again, it would go back to, if I'm asking you for your time, if I'm asking you for your attention, if I'm asking you for data or something that um, you may feel is an invasion of your privacy, I want to give you a service back in return. Um, so I, without going into too much detail on our roadmap, that's a lot of what we're looking at is more advanced products that are addressable within the marketplace, but hold true to that broader purpose of our company. So we are looking at developing unique ad formats that can be applied to live content experiences. Right now, if you think about a lot of the innovation that you're seeing in advertising formats is happening more in streaming environments and CTV environments, um, but live is still a critically important and you know high viewing experience for so many people. So we're trying to bring develop ways that we can be innovative in live content experiences. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Do you think consumers understand the value exchange? Like I know I think consumers know, right? Like I'm putting in some information and it's going to make my life easier, but do they understand the the net the next order impact? Like where is that data going and what exactly is happening to it? And do they need to? I don't think that they truly that well, they're I think we're all biased here because we're in the industry and so we understand it more. We always hear about the frustration of the cookies and ads that are following you everywhere that you go. I would tell you that a younger generation sees past that. Mm -hmm. And maybe in a way that's almost slightly irresponsible because the younger generation is willing to give up more data for more and more relevancy. And then as you mature and you have more things that you want to protect, um, you maybe become a little bit more sophisticated on that. But um, in terms of the value exchange, the consumer is never using those words. Those are our words. But I do think that there's a beat where you say, Okay, if you're going to make my life easier or if you're going to give me something of promo of value, by the way, that's kind of been advertising and marketing and everything from the, the very beginnings of our industry, I'm going to be willing to participate 
in that. So if you think about the fact that a lot of these SVOD content providers, whether it's Disney or Netflix, are looking at an AVOD model too, it's because consumers are saying, I'm okay with advertising. Yeah, right. I'm okay with it. Right. I've lived with it for a really long time and I still want my content, but I'm going to be a little bit more cost conscious. And if you have to bring advertising into my experience, fine, figure it out. I would love to see those the content providers and Netflixes and Disney's of the world was saying, this is my opportunity to do something really innovative with advertising and not to default to just the standard programmatic ads um, with very, very high frequency rates and not the best creative experiences. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that, you know, we do have this new, uh, you know, playground essentially with AVOD. Do you feel like there's enough innovation there in terms of ad formats, creativity? Like what's, why isn't that happening? I think we're still really struggling with ad frequency, right? Um, Definitely. There are so many different players involved in the delivery of the advertising experience. And that is a massive challenge for everybody in the industry. You know, is the ad being sold and delivered through the device? Is it being sold and delivered through the platform? Is it coming from the content provider? A lot of people are touching the different aspects of the ecosystem. Is it being sold direct through an ad tech provider like us in the Truex space? Um, So some simplification and consolidation within that ecosystem will help a lot. Um, But I also think this is a moment for the content providers that are new going into an AVOD environment. So a Netflix, for gonna, example. Say, so you mean Netflix. Yeah, I mean, they're building <laughs> from scratch, right? Yeah. So the, And I know that there are ways that they can look and say, okay, we, we know that AVOD has got to be important for our business going forward, but how can we differentiate ourselves in AVOD? Mm-hmm. What experience that we can, can we provide and have it be integrated into our platform where brands are still going to feel compelled to bring their marketing messages through Netflix content, but consumers are also going to be inclined to tune in because the advertising experience is cool and relevant and respectful. Yeah. I mean, Netflix is just such an innovator. Like it would almost be disappointing if they didn't make Mm -hmm. waves in this space. Um, But the easy thing to do is open up your content to the programmatic channels and be part of that ecosystem and have the same ads flowing in, still struggle with ad frequency, still struggle with a lot of the things that we are all seeing in our AVOD experiences right now. Yeah. So a little shout out to Netflix. Of, I think it can be done better. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if they uh, buy Roku and just use their ad platform. But that's all speculation. Yeah. So I think transparency is such an important topic in this context. Um Talk about how, uh, in the spirit of making things better, we can make these sort of consumer value exchange messages and consent consent collection messages clearer. Like we've all been bombarded by cookie banners. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in France. It's even worse here. With yeah. GDPR. Right. Um, and you know, you kind of just, you just but click are okay. we kind of immune to it or just That's say, what I'm saying. Like, and you just click accept. You don't want it there. You want to get to your content. You want to watch your show. You want to mm-hmm. check your email, do whatever you're doing. Right. How can how can newer forms of, of data collection maybe make it a little more clear, like, this is what you're accepting? I want to turn around the question a little bit to say, who's accountable for protecting the safety of the data? Because it's it feels like if we look at this from a really basic social science perspective, that consumers are going to opt in or 
it, you're not, we've never read the fine print in anything, right? That's why it's called the fine print. We all scroll, we accept everything. Mm -hmm. It's very, very rare. Um, you download a new app, you're scrolling through a whole bunch of terms. Yes. I'm just scrolling through to get to the yes. Right. Um, so I think the question is more through all of the different layers of the marketing ecosystem, who actually holds accountability for the ethical safety and security and usage of data. Mm. And I don't have the answer to that. I think it's something that we as an industry have to come together and create some standards around and accept the accountability. Yeah, well, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, oh, why is this my problem? It should be your problem. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly. always the challenge with like an ecosystem issue. Yeah. And we're all learning a little bit about that as countries start to enact new privacy laws. So anyone who's gone through a GDPR um transition with their business understands a lot of the implications to that and the levels of responsibility that you have. Yeah. So, um, we're talking about CTV and, and innovation in that space. What, um, what are consumer preferences when it comes to streaming? Like, are you gathering any data or have any insight into what they actually want as we create this new experience? Yeah, uh, the user interface to me is a really important place of innovation that's needed in the CTV environment as well, right? So um, any of us who have multiple streaming platforms that we're cycling through, content discovery on CTV is still incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. So I speak on behalf of a consumer and a viewer on that. I think there needs to be a massive solve to simplify content discovery. Um, we actually have a tool that we use within the Truex environment where we can ask you survey panel or like panel questions to be get a better sense of what you want from your advertising experience. So in the same way that we would say to you through a choice card of, do you want to watch this brand's 30-second message? We can say, hey, do you want to spend 30 seconds answering a few questions about your viewing experience so that we can provide more relevant messages for that? And if you do that, I'm going to give you another 90 seconds back so you can get back to your viewing experience faster. So we're able to collect some really fascinating and insightful and usable behavioral data through this um, survey paneling tool that we um, present through the Truex product. Yeah, I think to your point, like maybe before we rush into creating new experiences, we should ask the consumers for feedback, yeah. right? Like I think a lot of time the consumer gets lost in this industry and there's a lot of innovation for innovation's sake and, you know, creativity and marketing for marketing's sake. Right. But, you know, consumers now, they have too much power to just tune out. Yeah. We do know through our own research that, you know, consumers are more willing. And by the way, we're all consumers. So yeah. I don't think any of this is rocket people, science. Like <laughs> we're willing to give to provide our gender. We're willing to provide our age, maybe, or our age range. We're willing to say how many people are in our family. And not surprising, we're, we're willing to share a bit of our interests. Mm -hmm. But the deeper that we go where it starts to feel like, OK, now you, I, you don't need to know what my favorite color might be um, or the, the color of the car I drive, that's when folks start opting out. I find myself opting out because you lose my attention. So mm -hmm. if you're asking me too many questions in a survey situation, I'm out. Um, but if you're able to capture my attention at the right time, I'm willing to feed you a little bit of information. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting. So um, let's end with the prediction. Okay. How do you see... CTV evolving in terms of like, where do you see the whole, this whole space going? 
how do you see CTV ads, ad units, ad formats? Where do you think that's all that's going to look like? Where I want it to go is for us to um, break our habit of defaulting to the basic 15, 30 second static spot. Um, And I'm hopeful that we are shifting and enabling the technology for the advertising to be much more interactive with the consumer and much more intuitive. Mm. I think there's so many cool things that we can be doing with dynamic creative optimization, which is definitely a business buzzword. But if I know who's sitting in the living room watching the show that I'm delivering creative, that is not, that is relevant to you, Allison, and maybe not relevant to Krista if we're watching from two different living rooms, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That the user interface has become so sophisticated that I can use my voice to interact with the ad. Um, That if I'm watching Emily in Paris on Netflix, and I'm obsessing about what she's wearing that I can figure out right away because a window pops up to say, hey, that's Chanel and here's your options on where to buy or that somehow that's mirroring to my cell phone, Mm -hmm. my mobile phone, because most of us, especially younger generation, are watching everything with two devices. So net net. I'm hoping that the creative experience catches up with all the advancements in technology that enable our whole industry to be much more respectful of consumers' time and their attention and their privacy and bring the consumer into the marketing experience. Well, to that point, you know, I think a lot of the work that's awarded at Can really sets the tone, right? But not just for the craft and the idea, but for the type of work we think of as creative, yeah. ad creative. Is there enough of that type of work that you're talking about being awarded this year, or is it kind of still stuck in the... I love that it's a combination, right? I think that the, a celebration of creative, too, is also the the brilliance of minds that can develop a very, you know, the, the elegance and the simplicity mm-hmm. of some campaigns really is something that um, is attractive to me. But then you have creatives who are growing up through a product and a technology organization and are leveraging technology to bring better experiences. So I love that it's a balance of the two. Awesome. Yep. Well, Krista, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And I hope you have a great week in camp. I will. Always good seeing you. Thanks, Allison. 